Can I stay with you a while? Cause this road's been putting miles on my heart. Sweetheart, I've been living in a fantasy. But one day lightning will strike. And my bark will lose its bite, but don't give up on me. Sweet, and Stay this high forever Spence had all he can stand Time to lay this body down Sweet and Can I stay with you a while Cause this road's been putting miles on my heart Sweetheart, I've been living in a fantasy But one day lightning will strike and my bark will lose his bite, but don't give up on me. Sweet and Sweet Annie, I know I promised you life. But with an empty bed and the words I said don't carry any weight If I could take back yesterday Find a way to start it over Turn around, put that bottle down And I pray it's not too late Sweet and Can I stay with you a while? Cause this road's been But one day lightning will strike And my bark will lose its bite But don't give up on me What will be, will be Sweet, sweet and
Can I stay with you a while? Cause this road's been putting miles on my heart. Sweetheart, I've been living in a fantasy. But one day lightning will strike and my bark will lose its bite. But don't give up on me. Sweet, Thank you. 
the Yorkshire Free Methodist Church, and, and part of the host team for you this day. If there's anything you should need while you're here with us, please let us know. We'll do our best to accommodate, um, except if it's a stack of 20s, you're on your own with that. These are the jokes, it's as good as they get. After the service, there is a meal prepared for you, so please plan on staying. There, it's in the gymnasium, it's right back there. So when we are finished in here, you are all hereby invited. What brings us together this day? It's not death, but it's life. It's not loss, it's love. Your love for Annie and this family, and theirs for you. But there's also a greater love that brings us together, and that's God's love. A love that started towards us with creation. A love that made a place for us. A love that made relationship possible. A love that came in the form of Jesus. A love that healed. A love that taught. A love that forgave and died for us. A love that as a Christ follower, we are to have, to exhibit, to demonstrate. A love that sums up all the laws and the prophets. Love God and love your fellow man. The Apostle Paul says it like this in, in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul writes, And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a, or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not, it, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. That's what brings you here this day, is love. The 23rd Psalm has brought comfort to people since David first wrote it. He wrote that at about 1000 B.C. When Jesus walked this earth, this Psalm had already been around for a thousand years. And even today, this 3,000-year-old psalm brings comfort to people. In the Book of Common Prayer from England of the 1600, ministers are encouraged to read the 23rd psalm during funerals. It's a psalm of comfort, a psalm of God's protection, of God's leading, and of a promise at the end of being with God. Oh, and just so you know, the only way I think this should be read, or at least read properly, is in the King James Version. And in talking with Anne's family, <laughs> they shared that she enjoyed and maybe even preferred the King James Version. So if you'll allow me. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's that promise again. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for all who have gathered here today. And I know there are some who could not make it. But Father, may they know of your presence. May they understand your peace and your love. For that is what brings us together this day. Your love. Jesus, you wept at the death of your friend Lazarus. So, Father, I would pray that you would console those who are now grieving the loss of Annie Watson, a mother, a grandmother, a wife, a sister, an aunt, a co-worker, a nurse, a confidant, and a friend. Father, comfort them with your promises that there is more than this life. There is eternity with you. So give to those who mourn peace and even joy as they remember a life well-lived. And while there may be a tear or two shed this day, tears are the sign of a gentle heart. So, Father, in the midst of their tears, may they know your presence. May the despairing find hope and the brokenhearted receive the consolation of your presence and your love. Father, as we take time away from the busyness of life to pause and remember Annie's journey through this world, Father, may your spirit be here with us. Help us to recall to our mind many joyful memories, <laughs> exuberant events, and special moments, and heartfelt instances that were shared. Father God, enfold us now with your love and your peace as we walk this valley in the shadow for a time together. Amen. I'm going to turn this over now to Father Harry, one of the members of the family. my father's house there are many dwelling places if it were not so would i have told you that i go to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and take you to myself so that where i am there you may be also and you know the way to the place where i'm going thomas said to him Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father 
except through me. I'd like to offer just a few reflections on some of the scripture that we've, we've heard so far and how it touches us, especially this afternoon, remembering Anne, remembering Gary. We heard from 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest is love. Thinking of, of Anne, that certainly that love was there. And I would add to hope she extended to put a little humor in there too. Because when things were a little grim, you knew that something that you'll chuckle at was coming. We gather today, yes, with that abundance of love. We heard the attributes of love, and we remember Anne, how she embraced that so much with each person, not just general, each person. And we heard, and thank you, Pastor Mark, for the 23rd Psalm, and also the way you read it. Yes, the Lord was Anne's shepherd, and she knew it. It's striking how the words of this psalm comfort us during the end of our lives, how it would comfort Anne at the end of her life, how this has been comforting people in community in a way for thousands of years. Well, as Anne's health turned to its final decline, we saw, as the echo in the psalm is, saw her lie down, be still, her soul quiet, restored. She walked through the valley of the shadow of death, especially toward the end there, a couple of years, a number of times, through surgeries and recoveries, different kinds of ailments, but returning to this side of life time after time. But we know that there's one time when we walk the valley of the shadow of death and we end up on the other side of the valley. And that's what's happened with Anne. And will happen with each one of us as well. In these last days of her life, she was accompanied in the valley of the shadow of death by her families and friends. And yes, of course, the Lord was with, was there as well. But we all walked a portion with her. If it was physically being present there, or zooming in, or phone call, or prayer, we walked with her through that valley with the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity to walk with you and to walk with Anne in this valley. Thank you, Mandy and Carrie and your families and all, all of you, extended families, for how you have embraced Anne's life 
included all of us and made such a wonderful transition that's going on. We heard the comforting words from Jesus in the, just in the Gospel of John. Do not let your hearts be troubled. There is a place for us. And it's the same place where he is. He wants us with him. And we on earth also yearn to be with people who have gone before us. We envision how wonderful it is to greet them. Personally, and past the day before, my sister's birthday, who had gone before. And one of my other sisters said, oh yeah, Carol said, Anne, come on, I'm having a party. So I like to think that that was her first party up there. And they were close. And I'm, what a blessing that relationship was too. We envision how wonderful it would be to greet them with all those divisions gone, living in abiding love, we even pray for this kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. We want that. We want that on earth as it is in heaven. And today, as we gather and celebrate Anne's life and share our stories, we give thanks for her life among us. Yeah, we're sad for our loss. And grateful that her suffering has ended, and now joins many, including Gary, her parents, friends, loved ones, people who've gone before. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for guiding Anne to eternal life. This time, I would like to introduce Mary and Ruth. Uh, um, for a poem, God Made a Nurse. So God made a nurse. God said, I want someone to care for the sick, the fragile, the broken, and the dying. So God made a nurse. God said, I need someone to work long shifts and be on call 24 hours each day. Someone who has the heart of, this, of a servant and the will to sacrifice. Someone who will live a life dedicated to the well-being of others. So God made a nurse. God said, I need someone who can distract people from pain with a radiant smile and exceptional kindness. Someone whose glowing personality makes the prick of a needle, the insertion of a tube, and the administering of medication almost painless. I need someone whose tenderness is directed toward people of every age and every background, 
someone who is able to show love in every circumstance. So God made a nurse. God said, I need someone who will fight for life and leave the battle over death to me. Someone who will hold the hands of the living and dying. Someone who will send patients home, whether on earth or in heaven, with a smile and a prayer. Someone who will rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So God made a nurse. He said, I need someone who will unite with patience in times of both gratitude and grief. Someone who is mighty, compassionate, intelligent, creative, and humble. Someone who has seen the worst in people, but still believes in the best. Someone who understands the true meaning of the term, handle with care. So God made a nurse. God said, I need someone who is special enough to be remembered even after the pain has been forgotten. Someone who will have a positive impact on all of humanity. Someone who will answer one of my highest callings. Thank, Thank you, you, God, for, for making a nurse. Uh, Mandy and Carrie up here to give a reflection on your and your mom's life. Carrie and I want to thank everyone for coming today to celebrate mom's life. Something Pastor Mark told us on Monday afternoon really resonates today. Um, he said, even though your head may be ready for something like this, your heart never is. Mom was ready, head and heart. It's the rest of us that may have been ready in the head or not, but none of us were ready in our hearts. Despite heavy hearts, we want to make sure today is a celebration of mom, a happy time of memories and recollections. While I was sitting in the airport on my way to Buffalo two weeks ago, there was a woman sitting at the table near me. Our flight was delayed and she was making small talk. At first, I'll admit, I was answering her questions, but not really saying much. Then I looked at her and realized, oh my gosh, this is mom. So I closed my computer and started talking to her. We talked about where we lived, our husbands, our kids, all the things. This was mom. She never met a stranger. When she met someone for the first time, they were only new for a few minutes. After a 15-minute conversation, she could tell you the names of their children, their occupation, where they grew up, and at least five other things about them. Then she would remember it all. That was the important part. She truly found joy in learning their story. That's when they became friends. She could always tell you the background story of her pharmacist, the woman at the farmer's market, the people from our lives that she met, and anyone else she happened to meet in the course of her days. Next time she saw them, she would remember to ask about the events and people in their lives. Once she knew your story, she would call you a friend. Some of these friendships grew into lasting relationships for many years. 
She had a way of making people at ease by actively listening, asking great questions, and making them feel important. This is one of the reasons she was such a great nurse. She was always concerned with how her patients felt, what they needed, and what she could do to help them. Whether she was working at the cancer center, the doctor's office in town, or hospice, she would always tell us about her patients. No names, of course. She would tell us their story. In healthcare nowadays, it is easy to forget the story, to look at the patient as a case or a chart rather than a person. But the story is key. People feel important when you ask for their story. They know you care. People always knew that mom cared. This is also the reason that mom and Gary were such a perfect match. Pop loved to show he cared by asking about your life and your story. He may not have remembered it as well as mom did, but he always wanted to hear it. Pop loved getting to know young people and asking them about what they were doing and what their plans were. When Mandy's kids were little, he knew every kid on the swim team and what they were up to. He also loved books and he liked to share that love with younger people. After mom and pop moved back to Western New York, he got to know some of the younger people, people in my life and then sent them books about their interests. He liked to make sure the younger generation was doing things right. But then there's the other half of the story. Mom loved telling her story. When we would take mom to doctor's appointments without fail, someone at the office would say, oh, we've heard about your boys. Or, oh, you're the one from South Carolina. And she told it with all the detail. I once took mom to a doctor's appointment and was congratulated on a promotion at work before my team even knew about it. <laughs> if you knew mom, you knew where she was from. You knew about her husband, Gary, and her love for him. You knew about the lives of her kids and grandkids. When we met someone who knew mom, they would say, oh, you have a brother in the Outer Banks and one in North Carolina too, right? These stories made her happy, and she always felt others might be happy if she shared her stories. Many of you know that mom enjoyed growing up coloring books and having all the pens and markers to go with them. And you'll be able to see some of those works too um, in the gym for the meal afterwards, FYI. While she enjoyed the activity of coloring, her greater joy came from sharing her work with others. She showed many of the people in her life that she cared by sending them sheets, cards, and even occasionally framed work that she had colored. This may have been for a birthday, an anniversary, or any other event in your life. She loved to send cards. We both have so many cards we have received from her over the years. She always wanted it to mean something. They always had a personal message in them. She found joy by knowing about your events and recognizing them. Obviously, mom taught us all so many things, but what is the takeaway message today? What do we take home from this? Three things. Number one, we should all strive to ask people their story and remember it, or at least part of it. Whether it is a patient, a neighbor, or a new person in our lives, it brings happiness to people to tell their story, and it makes us better people for having heard it. Number two, we should share our own story with eagerness. 
Maybe hearing our story will make someone else like mom happy to hear it. And finally, color someone a picture. Not because you like coloring, but because you know it will bring someone else joy. This doesn't have to be a picture. It might be a compliment, a kind word, a small gift, or simply a smile. But do something to bring others joy. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Mandy and Carrie. Thank you. If you'd like to, uh, if, you, if you are able, please stand, and we will we'll sing softly and tenderly, Jesus is Calling. Tenderly, 
Ecclesiastes? A reading from the book of Ecclesiastes. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. You notice I let other people do the heavy lifting, right? You know, after music, I think the way we learn to communicate for lasting retention is in story. I mean, music is always the first and foremost, right? Remember when you were a kid and, and you learned the alphabet? How did you learn it? A, B, C, D, right? We all learned it by sing-song. It's just something that, about music that fits. We learn well from it. I almost said good. We learn well from it. And here at church is a similar thing, right? You were just singing a hymn. We're going to be singing another one later and, and that sort of thing. Music speaks to us too. As a kid, what's the earliest song we teach the kids? Jesus loves me this. I see some of you moving your lips. You've heard it before, right? We learn it. It becomes part of us. It seeps into our soul. I think story is like that as well. Story comes next. I can remember the books I've read. 
even some back in junior high, far, far better than I can the equation for the area of a triangle, right? Or the atomic weight of selenium. I can't remember those, but I can remember the stories that we read. The really good stories. The ones that involve emotion. It involves us identifying with a character or a situation. It brings us into the story. That's why we've been sharing all along, right? The story of Anne's life. We've been drawn into it. It's something we want to be a part of. One of Anne's favorite stories, movies, was The Wizard of Oz, an MGM Technicolor movie musical. It was released in, the August, in August of 1939. And even though it did just okay at the box office, it became part of our American culture when in 1956 it came to television. And then from then on, it's been on just about every year. Anne had placed near the entry door to a plaque, a round plaque, and it said, there's no place like home. Ruby slippers, you remember, that's the classic line from the movie. Well, let's talk about the movie for a minute. In the movie, Dorothy had a faithful companion, one she loved and treasured, and one that led her into messes, Toto. Annie had heard Toto as well. His name was Gary. He was the jokester of the pair. He would have a quip or a comment for many a situation. They would fish together, feed birds together, or the squirrels that would have come up to the bird's nest. Now, I'm not saying Annie did not have a mind of her own, again, much like Dorothy did in the film. Anne could and did express her personality, starting at a very young age. One of the stories that was shared with me was that as a first grade student at her Catholic school, her mother was called in for, for a Parent, well, we'd call it a parent-teacher. I guess it'd be a nun-parent conference. And, and, and in the case, anyways, they, they're having this conference, and Annie's mother was told that Annie, Annie was probably better suited for a public school education. I guess she was a bit willful and a bit dynamic with her will, even as a first grader. But that drive and that will served her well in school and in life. Dorothy's journey involved adventure and friends, but also new experiences. I mean, you don't experience flying monkeys in Kansas. So they were new to her, but like those flying monkeys, not all were appreciated. Annie, according to an informant or two, mentioned that new experiences were not something that she really enjoyed. When offered a ride on the side-by-side, -side, she declined. Seeing her daughters engage in tomboyish behavior, much to the chagrin of Barbara, uh, who I'm told was, had a nickname, Martha Stewart, all she could do is sigh, shrug her shoulders, and say, well, there you go. Although there was one new experience she did want to have, a tattoo. She said she wanted those who had to care for her to have a laugh. So on her left chest, left, correct? Left chest. She had a zebra tattooed. And sure enough, according to the family, many a caregiver in these past months got a smile, a laugh, or at least a double take from it. Yeah, Gary wasn't the only prankster. After high school, Anne went on to nursing school at Buffalo General Hospital. It was her, here that she heard her calling. 
Now, I don't use that word lightly, calling. For nursing is a calling. It's not just a job, not just a profession, but a calling. A calling that speaks to the soul. A calling that draws you out, draws out your care for others, the concerns for others. Pardon me, but I don't think you can be a good nurse if you lack compassion for your fellow man. Anne had that. I was told that Annie would meet many strangers, but they all left as friends. I think that that was what Jesus meant by treat others as you would have them treat you. When Dorothy landed in Oz, she knew no one. Yet the munchkins threw her a parade. A scarecrow, a tin man, and a cowardly lion all joined her on her quest. All began as strangers, but quickly became friends because Dorothy cared and wanted to help them on their quest. Annie, as a neonatal intensive care unit nurse, helped families, connected with families. In fact, she stayed connected with one such family. The child that she cared for came and visited her in these last months. She joined them on their quest for wellness, just as they joined her on her life's journey. Her role as a nurse also included primary care, hospice, and oncology nursing, roles in which her giftedness, not only as a nurse, but as a compassionate caregiver, shone. Up to her final days, a doctor she worked with or a patient she cared for would stop by to visit. She had people join her on her life's journey because she cared for them. Not as an employer, not as a patient, but she cared for you as a person. No one left a stranger. After the defeat of the Wicked Witch of the West, Dorothy returns to Emerald City, where the Wizard of Oz fulfills his promise to the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion. But for Dorothy, there was nothing in his bag for her. So he would have to take her in his balloon back to Kansas himself. But if you saw the movie, I'm sorry to break this to you, Toto plays one last prank, and he goes and chases a cat. Dorothy jumps out of the basket to get him, and the balloon and the wizard slip off and depart without her. Dorothy was at a loss. When Gary passed, Anne was at a loss. Now, she didn't curl up into a ball, but her balloon was gone. Her wizard had departed. Glinda shows up and reminds Dorothy that the way home was through her heart. All she needed to do was wish for and repeat, there's no place like home. Early Father Harry read for us from John 14, a passage that is shortly before Jesus' death on the cross. He comforts his disciples and us as well by promising that there is a future home for us, a place for us, a forever home that he was departing to prepare for us. You know, my wife and I have lived in several houses from those of our childhood up to this very date, but not all of them have been home. You see, home is not a structure. It's not a building. Home is where family, where love is present. Home is not really about a place, but it's about the people you love and who love you. The Wizard of Oz was the story of someone running away from problems, only to discover that problems are really universal. So the only way to face them is with the people you love by your side, with the people you call home. 
Paul writes about home in 2 Corinthians 5. We know that our body, this tent we live in here on earth, will be destroyed. But when that happens, God will have a house for us. It won't be a house made by human hands. Instead, it will be a home in heaven that will last forever. But now we groan in this tent. We want God to give us our heavenly home because it will clothe us so we will not be naked. While we live in this body, we have burdens and we groan. We do not want to be naked, but we want to be clothed with our heavenly home. Then this body that dies will be fully covered with life. This is what God made us for. And he has given us the spirit to be a guarantee of this new life. So we will always have courage. We know that while we live in this body, we're away from the Lord. We live by what we believe, not by what we can see. So I say that we have courage. We really want to be away from this body and be at home with the Lord. These past years without Gary around were not easy for Annie. And they got worse as the pain she was experiencing in her back got worse. After surgery, the slow wound healing process, the burn that put her back in the hospital for several months, and then coming home to Springville. Well, I guess she understood very well what Paul meant when he said, while we live in this body, we have burdens and we groan. But that's not the end of the story. There's more. For when this life is over, we will be fully covered with life. That's an interesting phrase, fully covered with life. Not just clothed, he says that earlier, but clothing can be put on, clothing can be worn off, clothing can be torn, clothing can be taken off, clothing can be thrown away. No, the life spoken of here encompasses us fully. It enlivens us, not restores us to our previous condition, but rather makes us anew how God intended at creation. Revelation 21 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. She is made new. Anne's not refurbished from her old self. She is new. No pain, no more tears, no more separation from loved ones, no more separation from God's complete presence. In Christ's promise from John 14 that Father Harry read for us, he says that there is an eternal place prepared for us, a place not like here, here where pain, illness, sickness are, but a place where those things are left behind. Our home is not a structure not a building, but rather is in the presence of God. John tells us God is love. Not just God is loving, but is love. Our forever home is in the presence of love, but not alone with others who have gone before us. If that's not victory, then what is? To be with God, to be with those who have gone before with no more pain, no more illness, no more tears for eternity. Jesus, Paul, John, Dorothy, and Annie were all correct. There's no place like home. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. 
Thank you that you prepare a forever place for us, a place to be with you. Thank you for the life of Annie, a life that, yes, was compassionate, but also demonstrated love. That's what compassion is, right? Love in action. Thank you that no one left a stranger. That's love. Thank you that people came to visit her who she knew as an infant in the NICU. That is love. Doctors stopped by who she had worked with. That is love. Other nurses had called. That is love. Father, thank you for a life that was well-lived, a life that is still impacting others because of it. Father, we're grateful for the life of Annie. Thank you for sharing her with us for a while. But now, Father, we know that she is in your presence forever. Amen. We're going to uh, move on, I'm sorry. Uh, poem Footprints, John? Thank you. Thank you for asking me to read this. You had no idea that this is very special uh, to me. Footprints in the Sand. One night I dreamed a dream as I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troubled some times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you the most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never, ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. So true. Thank you. Well, I told you we, we learn a lot in song, and so we're going to be singing another hymn. As you are able, if you'd care to stand and join us, we're going to be singing How Great Thou Art. The words will be up on the screens.
Give rest, O Christ, to your servants, Anne and Gary, with your saints, where sorrow and pain are no more, neither sign, but life everlasting. You only are immortal, the creator and maker of humankind. And we are mortal, formed of the earth, and to earth we shall return. For so did you ordain when you created us, saying, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. All of us go down to the dust, yet even at the grave we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Give rest, O Christ, to your servants with your saints, where sorrow and pain are no more, neither sighing, but life everlasting. Amen. I ask you all to extend your hands as we join together in this prayer of commendation. Into your hands, O merciful Savior, we command your servants, Anne and Gary. Acknowledge, we humbly beseech you, sheep of your own fold, lambs of your own flock, sinners of your own redeeming. Receive them into the arms of your mercy and into the blessed rest of everlasting peace and into the glorious company of the saints in light. And our congregation together says, Amen. Amen. Again, extend your hands. The Lord bless them and keep them. The Lord make his face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. The Lord lift up his countenance upon them and give them peace. Amen. Amen. We're going to be uh, having a song sung to you, if you will. Um, it's called Amazing Grace. I'd like you to take this time and just think about that grace that God has extended to each and every one of us as it is sang for us. Anna?
I'd like to leave you with a, a final charge, if you will. Stay in touch. Stay connected with each other. I'd like you to try something for me. Don't worry, it's not going to be hard and it won't take long. Um, just for a moment, will you close your eyes for a minute? No drifting off to sleep, but just close them up. Okay, there you go. I want you to remember a time that you shared with Annie. It's a time when you were at peace, a time when you were maybe laughing, a time when you were smiling. Do you have that? Open your eyes. That smile that's on your face right now, that warm feeling in your heart, maybe even that tear that's running down your cheek, that's love. Love doesn't end at the grave, but continues on within each of you. None of us is born with an expiration date stamped on our foot. You don't know when your time is up. So enjoy life. Celebrate. It's okay. But don't do it alone. Because you don't know when the one sitting next to you either, here or on the couch later today, you don't know when their time on this world is up. So do life together. Stay in touch with one another. Write a card. Send a text message. Share a meal. When you go out to eat, invite someone to go with you. Going out to ice cream, invite someone. Going for pie, call me. <laughs> Do stuff together. Life like love is meant to be shared. The moments you share are precious. Those moments are memories, and those memories are love. Stay in touch. Don't let the next time you gather together be a time of farewell, but rather a time of joy, a time of celebration. You know, um, I'm going to ask Father Harry, if you wouldn't mind, of coming together and ending this time together for us. Let us pray together as our Lord Jesus has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Grant, O Lord, to all who are bereaved, especially Mandy and Carrie and their families, Zach and Brad and their families, give them the spirit of faith and courage, that they may have the strength to meet the days to come with steadfastness and patience, not sorrowing as those without hope, but in thankful remembrance of your great goodness and in the joyful expectation of eternal life with those they love. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Rest eternal. Grant to them, O Lord, and let light perpetual shine upon them. May their souls and all the souls of the departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, be upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. We've heard and celebrated the life of Anne and Gary. And we heard some testimony from Mandy and Carrie. And we encourage you. I'm going to give a dismissal, but it's, going to, it's, it's the first dismissal. The second dismissal happens in the other room over there. So we encourage you to continue to share your stories about Anne and Gary with each other as we do what we've done so often. We've got to have a meal, right? There we go. So go in peace, remembering the blessedness of life, especially the lives of Anne and Gary, and go in peace again to love and to serve the Lord. We all say thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.